The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. So excited that you are here this morning. My name is Megan. My husband is Pastor Kerry. For those of you who are visiting with us, we're so excited that you're here. Uh, we are the lead pastors here at The Movement Church. Um, we had such a great Sunday last Sunday. We got to come together as a church and celebrate Easter Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I had so much fun. We had two services in this place, 8.30 and 10 o'clock. And, and both of those services were full. And we saw so many people come to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. We saw 27 people say, I am going to surrender my life to Christ. And that is worth a hand clap. That's what it's all about. And so I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God did last week, but I'm even more excited about what he's going to do as we move forward into the future. And today that's something that I want to talk about. I want to talk for just a few moments about something new that God might be up to. You know, if you've been in church for some time, you may have heard uh, pastors or preachers or teachers talk about the purpose of God for your life. Has anybody ever wondered, what is my purpose? Anybody in this room? Just raise your hand at me. I mean, I could put both hands in the air because I think there's multiple times where I've said, God, what do you want to do with my life? And maybe you've heard pastors or teachers or preachers share that God created you with a purpose. In fact, in church, we love to talk about the verse Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For God knows the plans he has for me, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We love to talk about that verse. We love to dream about the purpose and the plans of God for our life. But to be quite honest, the process of walking that out is actually a little bit difficult. It can actually be a little bit confusing, can actually be a little bit challenging, and sometimes a little bit painful. And so I want to spend some time this morning exploring a man in history who grew up knowing that God had set him apart for a purpose. And at one point, trying to take that purpose and plan into his own hands, and then finding himself spending 40 years in obscurity in the unknown, probably doubting the promise of God, probably doubting his purpose, and in the last 40 years of his life, painfully walking it out. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, and it says this, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight and why the bush is not burned. So I want to talk to you today, if I was giving a title to this message, about turn moments. Turn moments. So we're talking about Moses. Moses was born in a time in history when an evil tyrant named Pharaoh was running the land of Egypt and the people of Israel had been enslaved for over 400 years. And Moses was born during this time and Pharaoh knew that God was getting ready to do something and Pharaoh was an evil man. And he thought, you know what? The Israelites are getting too great in number. I don't want anybody rising up who could challenge me. So I'm going to give an edict to kill every single boy who is born, who is two years 
years old and under. And so he sent out people through the land, killing every single two-year-old boy and younger. And Moses's brave mother had the courage to take her son, to put him in a basket, maybe some of you have seen the movie, to put him in a basket and to set him afloat in the Nile. And what happened next is kind of crazy and ironic because Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby floating in the Nile and she rescues the baby. And then as only God could do, she sends to find a nanny to come and nurse this baby for her and brings none other than Moses's mom into Pharaoh's palace to nurse the baby Moses. And I don't know about you. I can only imagine the Bible does not say this. So do not quote me, but I can only imagine that as Moses's mother nannied this little boy for the Pharaoh's daughter, I can only imagine that she whispered promises into his ear. I can only imagine that she told him tales of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that she shared with him the promises of God that were for the Israelite people, that she whispered to him the purpose of God for his life, that God had saved him and set him apart for such a time as this. I can only imagine that his mom whispered those promises into his ear. So I imagine that Moses grew up feeling like God has created me to do something special with my life. Maybe he has called me to help the Israelite people. People. And with this great idea in his mind and this purpose-filled plan, Moses took the plan into his own hands and saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite, and he killed the Egyptian. And then Pharaoh sends out a decree for Moses to be to be killed, to be murdered, and he has to flee to the desert. So he finds himself in the wilderness, in the desert, in this place of obscurity, in the land of Midian. And he finds a wife named Zipporah, and his father-in-law Jethro owns a flock and owns some land. And he goes to work in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of a place of obscurity. He goes to work. And I imagine that all of those dreams of purpose, all of those, those ideas that maybe God created him for something special may have just kind of laid to rest. As he spent his time in the middle of the wilderness, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And the thing that's important to note here is that that was the most humble of positions. Because Moses didn't even have enough to own his own flock of sheep. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep. And for those of you in the room this morning that could wrap your head around this, I think it's, it's quite ironic that God had Moses in a place of desert, in a place of isolation, in a place of obscurity, taking care of something that was not even his. And it was in that moment that God decided to speak to him. And that, I think, is for somebody in the room this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a wilderness place. Maybe at one point you, you felt like you knew that God had a purpose and a plan for your life, but it's been so long since you've ever experienced any kind of hope that you find yourself in a wilderness taking care of something that's not even what you plan to do with your life, and it's not even yours, but it's in the midst of those moments often that God chooses to speak to us. You know, when it says in the scripture that it was on Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, that the angel of the Lord appeared in a burning bush, I think it's interesting to note that Mount Horeb wasn't actually called the mountain of God until later in history. But Mount Horeb meant desert or desolation. So Moses is here in the desert, in this place of desolation, for 40 years. Do you know what you call something that you do for 40 years? Normal. 
normal. So here is Moses in the midst of his everyday, normal, ordinary life, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of his own personal wilderness. Here he is, and he is he's getting ready to experience something new. And I love the verse that's found in Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 19, and it says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You see, I think the word of the Lord for the movement church this morning and for each of you who are sitting in the room is that God is ready and he's waiting to do a new thing. How many of you would like to experience something new? Maybe something new in your marriage, in your relationships, in your job. Maybe some of you are just like Moses searching and questioning the purpose of God for your life. And I believe that in this room today and moving forward, that God is ready to do a new thing. And I love that that scripture says that it springs forth and he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That means in the dry places where we feel like there is no hope that he can make a way and that he can do something new. You see, as Moses was walking along in this desert, it says that he saw a bush that had ignited. And the thing to know is that that was not an uncommon thing to see in the desert. In fact, it was pretty common for these type of plants to spontaneously ignite. So it was probably something that Moses had seen before. It was probably something that he had experienced maybe on a daily basis. But for some reason, that day, something distinguished it. And it was the fact that the bush was not consumed and that Moses caught a glimpse of the image of the angel of the Lord inside that bush. And it caused him to stop what he was doing and to turn aside and take a second look. You know, I, I think there's some things in our life that cause us to do a double take, right? There's, there's always those things in life that cause us to turn and give something a second look. And I've got a few pictures just to um, acknowledge that for you. Can you guys see that very clearly? Hey, go, can you go back to the, to the one before? Do you see that? That makes me do a double take and run fast because that guy is in the wrong place at the wrong time or the alligator's in the wrong place. Okay, go ahead. And I, I put this one, uh, okay, there. That makes you do a double take. What is happening Okay, the next one. Okay, now hold that for just a second. You got to leave that up there. I had to put that in there because I stopped to look at this. I had to do a double take because that monkey is just so cute. Just makes you want to look twice. Okay, go ahead to the next one. Okay. What? I don't even I don't even know. Okay? I don't even know. Okay, this is funny. You can't read that top part. But look at the sign. What? <laughs> what? Makes you, makes you look twice. Go ahead. What's, what's next? That's just weird. Go ahead. Okay, and I have no idea how this was even possible. I would have to stare at it for a long time to figure that out. Do we have any more? Okay. Really, more than a double take. It's like a triple, quadruple take. What are you supposed to do? Okay. And this... That was a picture just taken down the street from my house. And I love that the the sunset and the miraculous way that God works in nature, it sometimes makes me take a second look, right? It makes me pause and just go, God, you are so good that you would paint the sky like that. 
It's just beauty. And it makes me remember the scripture in Psalms where it says, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Because it's just majestic. It makes me take a second look. You know, all of those pictures, those are just kind of random nonsense for you, just to, just to have a little laugh. And make sure you're awake this morning. But I think that God was trying to get Moses' attention in the midst of the ordinary to get him to take just a second look, to turn and take a second look. What is God trying to say? In Exodus 3-2, Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight and why the bush is not burned. You see, Moses made a decision in that moment, and he made a decision to turn aside. You know, in the Hebrew, that word turn aside actually means to quit. It means to go away. Listen, it means to give full attention to something new. So Moses made a decision in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of obscurity, when something that was just normal, a normal occurrence in the desert happened, he made a decision in an instant to turn aside, to give it a second look, to turn his attention to something new. And I just think perhaps God wants to get our attention in this place this morning and get us to just turn aside to the something new. What is God trying to say to us this morning? Exodus 3, verse 4 through 6 says, When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now listen. It doesn't say that God wanted to get Moses' attention, so he said, hey, Moses, hey, Moses down there, angel of the Lord over here, pay attention. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says that when God saw that Moses had turned aside, so when God saw that Moses had made a conscious decision to quit what he was doing, maybe to stop whining and complaining about taking care of the sheep and being in the desert and being hot and tired and whining and complaining, maybe, just maybe, when Moses decided to quit what he was doing and to turn aside to something new, that that was the moment that God had been waiting for to get Moses' attention. He didn't scream and shout and holler or wave his hands, but when Moses When Moses made a decision to turn aside to the something new, then God spoke to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take off your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I love that God reminded Moses who he was. I love that God took that moment to say, hey, you remember the promise? Do you remember those stories you heard about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I'm that God. I love that he took that moment to remind Moses of the promise, to remind Moses of who he was. And Moses said he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He was afraid to look at God. You see, turn moments, moments where we turn aside from one way of thinking and we turn aside and give God our full attention to something new. Turn moments are reverent moments. God said, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. And Moses hid his face because a turn moment when God wants to get our attention, it is a reverent moment. The Bible calls these Selah moments. Selah means to pause, to think, what is God trying to say here? 
You see, when God is about to bring us into something new, when he's about to bring that great, big, brand new thing in front of us, we need to know that it's going to require a stretch. We need to know that when we're about to experience that something new that God has for us, that it is going to require a stretch because anything new requires a stretch because it's not ever just about what God wants to do inside of you. It's always about what God wants to do in you and through you. It's always about what God wants to do in you and through you. Let's look at Exodus 3, verse 7 through 10. Find out what it is. It says, then the Lord said, I have surely, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all themites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you. That you may go to Pharaoh and bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I love this moment. I think that just possibly Moses had been waiting. I think possibly Moses had been waiting for the past 40 years questioning the promise, questioning his purpose, wandering the desert in the midst of a dry and desolate place, going, God, what is this all about? I thought that I was made for something. I thought I was supposed to do something great with my life. What is all this about? Here I am in the middle of the desert, walking around this mountain over and over again, taking care of these smelly, stubborn sheep. And here I am. Do you really have a purpose for my life? And Moses has been questioning this moment for so long. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the normal, in the midst of the ordinary, God gets his attention and he speaks to him and he tells him about purpose. This is it. This is the revealing of purpose. He says to Moses, come, I will send you. I love that God shows up here in the midst of the wilderness, but he shows up with something. He shows up with a need, right? He shows up with a need. He shows up with a need. What God wants to do in us always has to do with with what he wants to do in us and through us. There's always a need. And God shows up this revealing of purpose. And I think Moses was like, what? You just talked about all of those terrible things that are happening to the Israelites. And you want me to do something about it? What? Right? Because the stretch that God wants to do in us and through us, it's not going to be easy. God tells him all of these things like the, the Israelites have been oppressed. The Egyptians are terrible. Pharaoh is awful. But I want you to go and do something about it. He's like, what? And he says, and if you persist and if you work hard at this, there will be deliverance. And so I just think about this moment, this stretch moment for Moses as he's presented with purpose, as he's presented with something new. And I think about the fact that every one of us, when we decide to fully turn into the something new that God wants to do in our life, when we decide to fully take a step of faith into the purpose of God for our life, there's always going to be a stretch. There's always going to be a stretch. Now, can I ask you a question? How many in the room have ever been pregnant? Anybody, raise your hand. Okay, there's like maybe you know, 40% of you. Okay, if you haven't, and men, thank you for not raising your hands. 
If you haven't, have you been around someone who has been pregnant? Raise your hand. Seen, have you seen somebody who has been pregnant? Anybody? Because to be pregnant, it requires a stretch, a tremendous stretch. I don't know about you, but I have, had, I have two kids. The first one, we had a five-year plan, got pregnant with her two years in, and she was just a beautiful surprise full of joy, right? But then for my second one, we decided that we wanted to birth something new. We decided it was time to have a baby. My best friend was pregnant at the time, and I thought, you know what? How fun would it be to be pregnant at the same time as my best friend? I mean, that would just be so fun because we'll be pregnant together, and then our kids will be born, and then they'll be friends, and it's just going to be awesome. And so I decided that we should, we should do this. We should think about having a baby. And listen, my husband liked the idea of making a baby. So nobody, huh? Y'all aren't awake this morning. He liked the idea, and so we did. No details involved there. And I got pregnant. And, and so here I am expecting something new, right? And, and for those first little while, I am, I'm feeling the beginnings of something new inside of me. And I'm so excited about it, wondering what it's going to be, a girl or a boy, wondering what it's going to bring to our family, what kind of change. And as I slowly began to stretch, except it wasn't slowly for me because my body fully remembered pregnancy from the first time around and embraced it very quickly. In fact, we were, uh, very quickly, we were youth pastors at the time, and uh, my, I had this teenager, and he's from England. I'm going to try to do his accent, so you guys just bear with me, okay? He's from England. And he says to me, Megan, he goes, isn't Valerie like six months pregnant? And I said, yes, that's my best friend, yes. And he goes, aren't you only five months pregnant? And I said, yes. And he goes, you're going to be huge. And I was like, yeah, thanks. Awesome. And then I went and cried uh, because it turned out being pregnant at the same time as my best friend was not working for me. So here I am and I am huge as a house. I am pregnant. I have been experiencing the stretch. I am so ready to give birth to this something new so that I can get it out of my body and return to normal, right? I am ready for the something new. And we approach my due date and I am so anxious and I am so ready and I am so done with being pregnant. I was not the beautiful, glowing, pregnant person that some of you in this room are. I was done. And I tried everything in the book. And I do mean everything in the book to try to have that baby. And so one night, in the middle of the night, I start having contractions. And I'm like, it is time. This has worked. And I get up and I do my hair and I put on my makeup because you know, if you go to the hospital in the middle of the night, you should have your hair done and your makeup done. And so I got up and I got ready and we went to the hospital and I walked in and sat down in the wheelchair and I said, I'm ready to have this baby. They're like, okay. So they take me up and they put me on all the machines and they start monitoring my contractions. And then they go, so you are having contractions but they're not the real thing. So we're going to go ahead and send you home and it'll probably happen in a few days. You can come back. And I go, no, you're not sending me home. I'm having this baby. I am ready to have this baby. Put me in a room, hook me up to an IV, give me some Pitocin and get this thing out of me. And the nurse is like, honey, it's okay, but it's not time yet. And I was like, 
How many of you know that when you're waiting for something new and you're so ready and you're so expecting and you're so anxious for that new thing that sometimes it's just not time yet? It's just not time yet. So a few days passed and I went into real labor and real contractions and got up in the middle of the night and put on my makeup and was doing my hair and in the midst of flat ironing my hair, grabbing the counter and screaming and in the midst of a contraction because I was in pain. And my husband is going, babe, don't you think we should go to the hospital? And I said, no, they are not sending me home this time. And he's like, okay. And so after a few more contractions, I finally thought, yeah, we better get to the hospital. And we got there and they hooked me up and they started monitoring things. And I said, I am not going home. And they were like, oh, honey, you're not going home. You are dilated to a seven. You are ready to have this baby. And I was like, you better believe I'm ready to have this baby. And all of a sudden things got real and it got scary. And then my blood pressure shot up high because I don't do pain at all. And my blood pressure shot up high and they said, we're not going to be able to give you an epidural because we need to run some tests. And I was like, you're what? My blood pressure is high because I am in pain. Give me an epidural. It will come down and I will have this baby. And they said, honey, you're going to have to wait. And this sweet little Polish nurse comes in and pats my leg and I won't try her accent. And she says, honey, you may have have to do it without the epidural. And my whole body starts shaking and tears are running down my face. And my husband is like, what is wrong with you? And I said, listen, take these machines off of me. We are going to just go ahead and shut this thing down. We are going to shut it down and I'm going to go home and I'm going to wrap my head around this thing and I am going to calm my blood pressure down and I will come back to this hospital when you can give me an epidural and I can have this baby without any pain. And they were like, baby, you are not going anywhere. (sighs) Something new can be so scary, can't it? The birth of something new, the start of something new, it can be so scary because we know that there could be so much pain. And Moses found himself in this moment. Exodus 3, 11 through 15. Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses is having this moment. He's like, who am I? And, and really, he should have been saying, who is God? But Moses had this internal moment, and it all turned and looked at him. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, reminding them of the promise has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. And thus I'm to be remembered throughout all generations. Listen, God had to remind Moses who he was. God had to remind Moses, I've got a plan. Here's Moses. He's finally embraced this moment. He's finally turned aside to give his full attention to something new. And that something new, the purpose of God for his life is scary. 
It's scaring him. And it requires him to take a huge risk. It requires him to step out and fight through some things. And I just want to challenge you this morning that there's three things that you might have to face on the way to accomplishing the purpose of God for your life. There are three things that you might have to face. One of them is insecurity. You know, Moses stood there on that mountain looking at a burning bush that was not consumed, looking at the angel of the Lord speaking to him. And still in that moment, he said, who am I that I should do this? And really, Moses should have been saying, who is God? You know, listen, sometimes we can just get far too concerned with ourselves. Sometimes we just get the focus so much on ourselves, so much on our inabilities, so much on our lack of skills or our lack of experience that we go, there's no way I could possibly do that thing that God's asking me to do. And we get nervous and we get afraid and we allow insecurity to halt us in our steps. But really, maybe you're sitting in this room and you've been trying to say, God, what's your purpose for my life? And maybe, just maybe, God wants you to look down at what's in your hands, at what's right in front of you. And instead of running and looking for some grandiose plan, just turning your attention to what he might want to say with what's right in front of you. What might he want to do with what's right in front of you? And then when God challenges you to take a step, you can't allow insecurity to hold you back. You see, maybe there's some of you in this room who've been hearing for a while about jumping on to the dream team. You know, at the movement church, it takes an army of people to make church happen every single week. It takes an army of people who are willing to fulfill the purpose of God for their life by coming together and linking arms and saying, let's build the church. Let's create a place where people can come and they can find the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And maybe, just maybe, You've been hesitating to take that step because you're a little bit afraid. You don't know what you have to bring to the table. Maybe you think you don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe you think I'm just brand new in my relationship with God. What could I possibly do? And you've been holding back because insecurity has kept you focused on who you are instead of who God is and what he wants to do through you. Maybe you've been avoiding going to a connect group because you just don't know what that's going to feel like. And you might have to be vulnerable. And you might have to talk about things that are difficult to share. But maybe in a connect group, that's where God wants you to be so that you can have friends that come around you who encourage you and pray for you and push you forward. Maybe you're in this room and you know, you know that the next step for you You've been feeling it. You know you're supposed to lead a connect group. You've had this idea kind of stirring around, a thought that you've had of maybe I could do this and get a group of people together. And, and maybe if we did this, God would do something through it. But, but I don't know how to talk in front of people. I certainly don't want to pray in front of people. And you've been allowing insecurity to hold you back. And maybe today is a day for you to go, you know what? No more. I'm not going to be bound by what I don't know, my lack of ability, my lack of skill, because God, who says I am, if he is with me, if he is for me, I can do all things through Christ. And maybe it's time to take a step of faith and face those insecurities. Maybe it's time to face some fears. Fear, man, fear is a, fear is a killer. It will do so much to us. It'll, it'll put us in a prison and slam the door. Fear can hold us back from so many things. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the fear of success. Maybe it's the fear of the what ifs. Fear is paralyzing. Fear is paralyzing. And it corrodes our confidence in God's goodness. When we allow fear to rule our life, it corrodes our confidence in God's goodness. You see, Moses couldn't see how amazing this moment was. He couldn't see the purpose that God was calling him into because of fear. Because he thought, there's no way. 
that I could go and do that. And God's going, I am. I'm with you. I am with you. I love this verse in Isaiah 41.10. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Listen, the Bible tells us do not fear. Fear not, for I am with you. Whatever that thing is that God has been challenging you to do, maybe it's a conversation that needs to be had. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be mended. Maybe it's a step of faith to do something for God that you haven't wanted to do because it requires sacrifice. Whatever it is, God says, I will be with you. Don't fear. You know, when fear rules our lives, safety becomes our God. And we worship a risk-free comfortable life. You know, isn't this just the plague of Orange County, California? I love where I live. There is no place better in the entire world. The most beautiful beaches, the most beautiful people inside and out, the most beautiful weather. Thank God for it. Although we need some rain, God, please, so we can have water with our meals at restaurants. (laughs) We live in this beautiful place. But plaguing Orange County is this idea that I need to live for me, that whatever I can do to get my life comfortable for me and mine, to make my life comfortable and my life easy, I'm just living for the weekend. Whatever I can do for me, we live in this county where our attention has become so focused on ourselves and what I can do to be comfortable that we miss the opportunities that God has in front of us because we're afraid of the sacrifice. We're afraid of what it's going to take. We're afraid of it. And so we work this risk-free, comfortable life. And Jesus said in Matthew 10 in the message version, I have not come to make life cozy. I have not come to make life cozy. Listen, the worship of safety emasculates greatness. The worship of safety emasculates greatness. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? You've got to fight through some fear. And the third thing that you might have to fight through, the third thing that you will most undoubtedly face when you decide to step into the purpose of God for your life, is pain. Moses knew when God told him, come, I have called you. Moses knew that that held a promise of pain, that he was going back into a place of pain. He was going back into a place where the Pharaoh actually wanted to take his life. He was going back into a place of slavery and persecution. Moses knew that the promise of God held a promise of pain. But the promise wasn't just having to do with Moses. It had to do with the whole Israelite nation. Listen to this in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Listen, in the midst of pain, God sees and God knows. God sees and God knows. He's with you. My little girl, Brooklyn, was learning to ride a skateboard. And I was cooking dinner in the kitchen and the window was open and I was watching her out the window and As I was watching her, I saw her get on and kind of start moving. And then all of a sudden, I saw her little body fly through the air and hit the ground. And the skateboard went flying down the street. I saw 
I knew and I heard the wail that went out from that little body, the screaming pain. And I stood in the kitchen and I gripped the sink and I thought, don't run out there, Megan, don't run out there. I knew that I couldn't run out there because if I ran out there to save her in that moment, she would never learn how to pick herself back up. And she needed to know how to get up when she fell down. She needed to know. She came running in the house and I hugged and kissed her and loved on her and bandaged up her knee. And then I sent her back out to do it again. You know, Hebrews 10 36 says, listen, for you have need, you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Listen, you have need of endurance. The Israelites had need of endurance. For 400 years, God saw and God knew, and God was with them. He never left them, even though they felt alone. He never left them, even though they felt pain. God saw and God knew, but he knew that they had need of endurance. He knew that over those 400 years that they would begin to grow in number, and they'd begin to grow in strength. And he knew that in those 400 years, they would learn what it took to fight through obstacles. They would learn what it took to press on, even when things seemed tough and things seem overwhelming. God knew that they were going to learn some key things that they needed to know because when God walked them out of Egypt across the Red Sea on dry land and into the wilderness towards the promised land, God knew they would need to know a little bit about endurance. And maybe you're in the room this morning and you've been in a season of pain and you've been questioning your purpose and you've been questioning what it's all about. But I'm here to tell you, the scripture tells us we have need of endurance. God sees and God knows every season in our life has a purpose. Every season does. And God will bring purpose to your pain. God will bring purpose to your pain. You know, as we close out today, I, I just got to encourage you in the room this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what season of life you're in. I don't know if maybe this, this idea of coming to church is a brand new thing for you. And maybe you're going, I don't really know where I stand in my relationship with God. And, and maybe today is your day just to, to take a step of faith and, and just say, God, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you're in this room and you, you have been walking through a wilderness. Maybe you feel like you are in a dry and a desert place. Maybe you feel like you've been in a place where there's no hope, where you just feel tired and run down and worn out and you're exhausted and you just want to know that God has purpose for you. And I'm here to tell you that in the scripture, God came to Moses in the midst of his wilderness, in the midst of his everyday life, and he turned aside to that something new. And when he did that, God began to speak purpose into his life. And when Moses took steps of faith to walk out that purpose that God had for him, God renamed that wilderness season. Because you see, it talks about him being on Mount Horeb, but eventually Mount Horeb came to be known as Mount Sinai. And that season that Moses was in, where he felt like he was in a desert, and he felt like he was in a dry place, and he felt like there is no purpose to all of this stuff that I'm having to walk through. When he was in that season, he had no idea that down the road, that he would lead the Israelite people out of Egypt and into that very same wilderness. He had no idea that those roads that he was learning to walk, those mountains that he was learning to climb were the very mountains and the roads that he would have to lead the Israelite nation through. He had no idea that he was going to have to work with stubborn, 
annoying people like those stubborn, smelly sheep. He had no idea what God had for him. But in the midst of his wilderness, in the midst of what God had in his hands, God was teaching him endurance. God was teaching him things he needed to know for the course that was ahead. So don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise where you are at in this moment. God always has a purpose for the situation that you find yourself in. God always gives purpose to our pain. God always has a plan that is greater than the plan that you or I can imagine. And if we will just stop whining and complaining and focusing on what's at hand and turn our attention to the something new, then we allow God to speak and we allow God to move. Because listen, what happened to Moses is God revealed purpose to him. But the purpose wasn't just about him. The purpose was about what God wanted to do in him and through him. Because through Moses, the entire Israelite nation was saved. Who knows but that you haven't been placed in this church for such a time as this. Who knows if you aren't in the season that you're in, in the job that you're in, in the workplace that you're in, in the family that you're in for such a time as this. Maybe your family needs to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Maybe the person who sits beside you in the office needs to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Maybe the person in your neighborhood that sneaks into their garage and sneaks out of their garage every single day needs to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And maybe... Just maybe your purpose is tied to what God wants to do in you and through you. Listen, last week we extended invites to everyone we knew and we invited people to come to church for Easter. And on Easter Sunday, 27 people said, God, I surrender my life to you. And as a movement church, we have a mandate from God. There are 3 million people in Orange County and 2.7 million of them do not go to church. And we have a mandate from God, we believe, to reach 1% of those people. 1%. That's just a little number. That's 27,000. We saw 27 people last week say, God, I surrender my life to you. I want to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. So in the days to come, in the months to come, in the years to come, we're expecting and believing that there will be thousands more. We're expecting and we're believing. And who knows, but that God placed you here for such a time as this, because you know somebody that needs to know the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You know somebody that needs to sit in these seats and needs to hear the message that Jesus loved them so much that no matter what they've done, no matter what they've walked through, that he gave his life for them. Maybe, just maybe, it's not an accident that you're here today. Maybe, just maybe, this is a turning moment. Listen, if you're in the room today, And you hear me talking and you go, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that needs to know hope. I'm one of those people that doesn't, doesn't understand fully who God is. And I feel like there's this separation between me and God. Listen, there is, it's called a sin gap. And the scripture tells us that every single one of us has sinned. We've all made mistakes and the punishment of sin is death and an eternity in hell. And that sounds bleak. But listen, God gave us hope. And he said, I'm going to give my son as the ultimate sacrifice for your sins. And listen, all who believe in him, who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, will be saved. There are no conditions. There is nothing that you have to do to earn his love. He loves you. He loves you. 
And if you're in the room today and you need to surrender your life to him, I'm going to ask you in just a moment as we bow our heads and close our eyes that you will pray a prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You do not have to stand up out of your seat, but just make a decision in your heart and say, God, maybe today is my first day. Maybe today is a turn moment. And for the rest of us in this room, maybe today is our turn moment for God to say what he wants to do in each of our lives. He'll give purpose. He'll give purpose to the pain that you've walked through so that you can reach back in and help somebody else out. He'll give purpose to the desolate and dry places. He'll breathe life where you feel like there's death. He is our hope. He is our strength. He is our peace. He is good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in the room this morning and you have never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, can I ask you right now, every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm just going to ask you to pray it with me in your own heart. Just pray after me. Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I'm, I'm far from where I should be. But I know that you gave your son. I know that you died on the cross for my sin. And today, I make a decision to surrender my life to you. Would you be my Lord and Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or... We'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Till next time, Orange County.